the Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insights from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Welcome back to 2023, a year of living history, a Fox News Radio special. I'm Jared Halpern in Washington. The race for 2024 was already underway before the calendar turned to 2023. Ladies and gentlemen, distinguished guests, and my fellow citizens, America's comeback starts right now. Former President Donald Trump was the first major candidate to announce a 2024 bid, his third presidential run in November of last year. But his entry as the immediate frontrunner did not freeze the field or ward off challengers, including several who worked in his administration. For a strong America, for a proud America, I am running for president of the United States. Former ambassador to the United Nations in the Trump administration, Nikki Haley, officially launched her bid on February 14th. By spring, the Republican field was crowded. Trump's vice president, Mike Pence, challenged his old boss, critical of the former president's actions in the aftermath of the 2020 election and the Capitol riot that followed. On that day, President Trump also demanded that I choose between him and the Constitution. Now voters will be faced with the same choice. But Pence struggled to find a foothold with Republican voters, suspending his campaign by the end of October. South Carolina Senator Tim Scott, former Congressman Will Hurd, and Miami Mayor Francis Suarez also all ended White House bids well before any caucus or primary results. Debates in Milwaukee, Simi Valley, California, and Miami highlighted emerging rifts in the Republican Party over foreign policy. Honestly, every time I hear you, I feel a little bit dumber for what you say. Because I can't believe that here you've got a TikTok situation. These are good people who are tainted by a broken system. Entrepreneur and political newcomer Vivek Ramaswamy, often finding himself at odds with a more traditional conservative view espoused by Haley and former New Jersey governor Chris Christie. This is a guy in 1991 who said that was the darkest moment in world history when the Soviet Union fell. Listen, everybody, he wants to put the old band back together and only America can stop it and we're not president we will trump has not joined his challengers on the debate stage that has become a top point of contention for the candidate long thought to have the best chance at leapfrogging the former president florida governor rod DeSantis. and this idea that you can take a poll the year before a primary and then disenfranchise voters by not showing up that's wrong uh, you got to show up, you got to answer questions, and you got to defend your record. But so far, polling has been steady for former President Trump, who leads every other Republican rival by wide margins. And while the Republican field looks to take on President Biden, he too is facing challenges from fellow Democrats. First, from longtime activist and attorney Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who says he wants to return the Democrats to traditional ideals. You know, I'm not surprised that the, the people who are aligned with the DNC, people who are closely aligned with the White House are troubled by my candidacy. I'm a threat to President Biden. Stay tuned. More to come on 2023, a year of living history in just a moment. This is the Montana Economic Minute. 
Promises are one thing, policies and performance are another. Saying that you will cut carbon emissions by one half by year 2030, less than seven years away, is easy. But making good on those commitments is quite another. When you bring in the fact that in order for reductions to impact climate, they must be carried out globally, it adds up to a massive overhaul in energy production that will require enormous investment. A recent study by consulting firm S&P Global looked at how a global transition to carbon-free energy might impact the demand for copper. An important concession to reality in the S&P study is a recognition that other factors, most notably the industrialization of less developed countries, will increase the global appetite for the metal as well. The upshot is that copper producers will need to refine twice as much copper by 2035 than has ever been produced, both through mining and recycling. How exactly are we going to do that? I'm Patrick Barkey. Brought to you by the University of Montana Bureau of Business and Economic Research. Who is Zoe Zephyr, the radical transgender lawmaker from Missoula, Montana, who cheered on the transurrection attacking the Montana House of Representatives? Aaron Flint here with Montana Talks. That story, uh, clearly, by far, the number one story based on Montana page views for 2023. We compiled the top 23 stories for 2023 here in Montana. Go to MontanaTalks.com. You can see that story, the full list, and much more. Welcome back to 2023, a year of living history, a Fox News radio special. And while the Republican field looks to take on President Biden, he too is facing challenges from fellow Democrats. First, from longtime activist and attorney Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who says he wants to return the Democrats to traditional ideals. You know, I'm not surprised that the people who are aligned with the DNC People who are closely aligned with the White House are troubled by my candidacy. I'm a threat to President Biden. But Kennedy suspended his bid for the Democratic nomination in October, opting to run as an independent. Still, Democrats see vulnerabilities in the president's re-election bid. And Minnesota Congressman Dean Phillips launched a long-shot bid in late October. In polling, less than a year from the 2024 election shows a tough sell for the president, trailing in several polls to his predecessor and losing support of key demographics that were critical to a coalition that propelled him to the White House three years ago. Let's talk a little bit more about the year that was, the year ahead in the presidential election with anchor of America's newsroom, Bill Hemmer. So, Bill, I imagine you're practicing already for those nights in front of the billboard. Yes, (laughs) actually, you're not wrong. Uh, (laughs) It's never too early to study the 99 counties of Iowa. That's right. And. You know, I think as we just laid out here in that report, what has been the highlight or the headline, I should say, of the uh, the race so far, at least on the Republican side, is its stability. Certainly, a lot of movement, you know, for second and third place. But it seems like at this point, that Trump campaign remains an immovable force I, in the Republican uh, yeah, Party. Yeah, I believe with that. I believe in your overall impression there. Um, Listen, they're still going to caucus, and let's see what happens. Trump appears to have a a commanding lead, almost like, I would argue, historical. I I don't know how far you have to go back to see 
when you've got multiple candidates and one person is already over 50 percent in polling. So, yeah, it's pretty extraordinary. Nonetheless, you still got a caucus, Jared, and we'll see how it turns out. Yeah, history isn't much of a guide for what we're looking at right now. Um, you know, you generally don't have a far and away candidate in Iowa or New Hampshire this close. And you generally don't have major endorsements that don't seem to do much for the person getting the endorsement. And you don't usually have somebody who doesn't visit the states as much as anybody else continue to have that far and away polling number. Um, not to mention, obviously, the number of, of legal challenges that are still um, you know, very much in front of, of Donald Trump, who's going to spend at least a good portion of the first half of, of 2024, it would appear, in courtrooms. Yeah, and if they can drag uh, what it out, that play? Yeah, and if they can drag it out, maybe it's all year and not just maybe. the first half. I, I was looking at this calendar. It's really something to behold here, because on January 15th is the Iowa caucus. On January 15th is also the uh, Gene Carroll civil defamation suit here in New York. On March 5th, that's a Tuesday. That's Super Tuesday. On March 4th is the scheduled begin date for the trial over January 6th. And uh, all this stuff stacks up like airplanes on a runway at LaGuardia. But the polling that comes out over the past month has only shown his numbers go higher. Mm. And he's not campaigning. He's just showing up in a courtroom. And I, I don't know if that trend's going to continue. If it does, his numbers will only go higher throughout the first six months of the year. And also, if somebody like Ron DeSantis is knocked out, it looks pretty much like his supporters are going to go to Trump. Yeah, no. That, and we've seen his other candidates have uh, dropped out. Trump has been the, the beneficiary of some of those those dropouts as well, which is also not something that a lot of folks necessarily expected. I, I'll finish with this, and mm -hmm. it's sort of looking more at a general election. I, as you know, cover the White House here. I've uh, been to a, a few of these Biden events, including these fundraisers that he holds. He spends a lot of time, Bill, in these fundraisers talking about, as he sees, a threat to democracy if Donald Trump wins another term. You don't hear the president talk really about any other Republican right now except Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Does that signal to you that they also view this as an inevitable matchup? Yeah, I think the writing's on the wall and all that. Here, here's the image I have in my mind for 2024, the, the election. If, if you ask me, I have no doubt that Joe Biden's going to be the Democratic nominee. And if you were to ask me to put money on the Republican side, I would say, yeah, okay, Donald Trump. So now you got Trump and Biden, and you got Trump in and out of courtrooms all over America for at least the first six months, as you described earlier, maybe the entire year and beyond. At the same time, you're going to have House Republicans with a majority um, uh, in the House of Representatives, and they're going to be holding hearings, and they're going to subpoena Hunter Biden. And if he defies it, they're going to challenge him. And mm -hmm. it, th there's going to be a contest now between the RNC and the DNC to try and tell voters in America that your guy is dirtier than my guy. And that's what the election, as of today, could come down to. A real optimistic message, then. Ah. <laughs> Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Happy Hanukkah. All that good stuff, all Jared. Of that, all of that. All right. Thanks, man. 2023. Do you remember this? 
I'm John Saucier. A Supreme Court decision on June 29th effectively eliminated the consideration of race in college admissions. The court decided that using affirmative action in college admissions was in violation of the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. Stay tuned. More to come on 2023, a year of living history in just a moment. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey, this is Trey Gowdy, host of the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Every Tuesday, you'll hear what's on my mind. Plus, every Thursday, there's a special bonus episode where we answer the questions that are on your mind. Make sure to spend your Tuesdays and Thursdays with Trey. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Hope to see you. America is listening to Fox News. The average time a resume spends on an HR manager's desk is seven seconds, and most of them are tossed aside. Now imagine if one of those resumes belonged to Yasmin, who was living in a shelter, juggling three jobs. I had to be resilient. That's something that you can't teach. Or if that resume was from someone who worked 12 hour shifts at the recycling company with my dad, who's 72. That taught me a work ethic that I carry with me every day. We rely so much on a resume, yet it could never tell the full story of someone. Growing up where I did, a lot of things could have gotten in the way of my goals, but I learned to push through, and that's what I bring to work every day. So maybe it's time we look beyond the resume and look to grads of life. Discover new ways to develop great talent that are so much more than what's on paper at gradsoflife.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Grads of Life and the Ad Council. Good morning, everyone, and Happy New Year from us here at the Western Ag Network. I'm Lane Nordland, and it's time for the Daybreak Ag Report. Well, as we begin 2024, I wanted to share a few of the top stories that we covered here on Western Ag Network's radio, TV, and social media coverage over 2023. The second most popular story that we had on radio and social media was a conversation that I had with Montana rancher and leader in the Angus cattle business, Mr. Joe Goggins. The interview came from Angus Convention 2023 in Orlando, and this was the question that I asked him. In your mind, how do we keep the family ranches going? I think number one, uh, we're we're, we're kind of leaving the uh, scenario of these ranches staying generational. And that's really how rural America, how America was built, uh, not just in in agriculture, but as a lot of small businesses throughout the America have been a, a very generational type scenario, and we're losing that. And I think uh, the only way we're going to combat that is we as an industry have got to unify we have got to come together. We got to quit throwing rocks at each other. We got to quit uh, suing everybody. We got. We have got to come together on some ideas that will increase margin, that will increase and incentivize young people to not only want to be able to do this, but be able to do this. And uh, on top of that, I think we've got to come up with some incentives for people to leave their land in livestock production. I think there's ways of doing that, but we have got to have a real serious conversation. That was our second most popular story in 2023 with Joe Goggins. We'll have the most popular story next. We're excited to share that Northwest Farm Credit Services is now AgWest Farm Credit. AgWest is here to provide the financial services you need. A dedicated staff to understand your business 
and the commitment to helping you grow your best future. It's how we've been serving farmers and ranchers for over 100 years. Grounded by tradition, inspired by possibility. Call or visit AgWestFC.com. Equal opportunity provider and employer equal housing lender. Hi, this is Tim Larson with Sydney Livestock Market Center in Sydney, Montana. I'm a member of the Livestock Marketing Association, and I've had a front row seat to the loss of livestock producers across our area. This is a critical threat to our industry and our nation. Producers face growing challenges with input costs and the ability to access land for livestock production. The clock is also ticking on tax policy that could have dire consequences for our industry. Let's get active, get talking, and create a brighter future for us all. Learn more at ProducerProfitability.com. Returning back with our most popular news story on the Western Ag Network in 2023. It was back in March when reporter Chad Colby shared this big news story. If you love farm machinery, then you're going to love this. Big Equipment Company out of Montana and Rome Agriculture Equipment out of Georgia are building the new Big Bud tractor. It's coming back. After a 40-year break, this thing is returning to construction sites and to our farm fields. A lot of my friends are already asking, when are they coming out? What's all the details? Call the guys at Big Equipment up in Montana. Trust me, I know their phones have been ringing. As you can see right here, I took this video footage before the show opened this morning. And the reason why, because this thing has been crawling with people. And if you do a little look, work on social media, you'll certainly see there's been a lot of videos and a lot of talk about this tractor, rightfully so. It belongs definitely back in our fields. Again, that was Chad Colby reporting from Con Expo in March 2023, the biggest story on Western Ag Network last year. I'm Lane Nordblad. Welcome back to 2023, a year of living history, a Fox News Radio special. I'm Tanya J. Powers. Legal issues surrounding Hunter Biden continue after a year that saw a federal plea deal fall apart. In June, he agreed to plead guilty to two misdemeanor counts of failing to pay his 2017 and 2018 taxes on time and agreed to terms that would allow him to avoid prosecution on a felony charge of falsely saying he was not using or addicted to illegal drugs when he bought a handgun in 2018. Federal law makes it illegal to possess a gun while using illegal drugs. The following month, a federal judge in Delaware put the proposed plea deal on hold. In August, Attorney General Merrick Garland named David Weiss, the U.S. attorney in Delaware, to be special counsel in the investigation into Hunter Biden's conduct. Biden was later indicted on three gun charges and in October pleaded not guilty. He was also indicted on nine additional tax charges in California, including three felonies in December. Doug Burns is a former federal prosecutor whose areas of expertise include tax matters as well as federal criminal investigations and trials. I ask him how serious are the charges against Hunter Biden? Well, the indictment is three counts. <clears throat> the first one is lying on a gun, you know, form or application to obtain a firearm. Um, that carries a penalty of zero to 10 years. Um, the second count is false statement to obtain a gun. It's the same thing, but the statute's a little different. It's false statement to an entity that's required to keep records. It's sort of a little bit duplicative. That's zero to five. And the third one is possession of a firearm uh, by somebody who has a problem with uh, drugs or narcotics, also zero to five. So uh, media often says, you know, he faces up to 
uh, 20 years, and that's fine. But the reality is it's governed by the U.S. sentencing guidelines, and the guideline that's associated with these charges, you know, comes out quite a bit less than that. Of these charges, which do you think are the most, I won't say most important, but the ones that look the worst for him? The more important counts are lying on a gun form, knowingly making a misrepresentation on a gun form, um, and then that sort of similar count of making a false statement uh, to an entity that's required to keep the records. Those are the two main counts, and I think the government um, has a pretty strong case on that, obviously. Burns says that the plea deal collapsed because the immunity portion of it was too broad. Very wide immunity. No further charges, you know, for basically anything and everything. And the judge called them out on it. In November, he asked a judge to subpoena former President Donald Trump and former Justice Department officials related to whether political pressure wrongly influenced the criminal case against him, while also offering to publicly testify before the House Oversight Committee as opposed to providing a closed-door deposition requested by a committee subpoena. That committee is also part of the congressional impeachment inquiry into the president and whether he profited from Hunter's business dealings while serving as vice president. Hunter Biden clarified in a statement. Let me state as clearly as I can. My father was not financially involved in my business, not as a practicing lawyer, not as a board member of Burisma, not in my partnership with a Chinese private businessman, not in my investments at home nor abroad. Committee Chair and Kentucky Republican Congressman Jim Comer said the White House's complaints over the investigation have no merit. Our investigation has revealed how Joe Biden knew of, participated in, and benefited from his family's cashing in on the Biden name around the world. The president has denied any wrongdoing. Tanya J. Powers, Fox News. Hello, I'm Jonathan Savage in London. In 2023, World Affairs presented questions we couldn't quite believe we had to ask. Did China really send a spy balloon to fly across the United States? I was briefed on the balloon. Why did a U.S. soldier flee to North Korea? I assumed it was some kind of stunt. And would Vladimir Putin really let a mutiny go unpunished? In some ways, it's surprising he lived as long as he did. But let's start with an earthquake in Turkey and Syria that claimed the lives of almost 60,000 people. There are a lot of folks without heat, without electricity, without water who are desperate. Fox's Greg Palcott reporting from southern Turkey, people from 94 countries joined the rescue effort. From rumblings deep underground to grumblings high in the sky, a row broke out between the United States and China when a high-tech balloon was spotted over North America. The Pentagon said it was being used for surveillance. You know this is a Chinese balloon and that it has the ability to maneuver. China insisted it was a weather balloon blown off course. Despite criticism, the U.S. government felt it was too risky to bring the aircraft down over land. So once it reached the Atlantic, down it came. Yeah, so all of a sudden I seen the missile come out. It hit the balloon. The balloon's falling. China wasn't the only major power Washington was at odds with. American journalist Evan Gershkovich was in the Russian city of Yekaterinburg when he was, according to Moscow, caught red-handed spying for the United States. The Wall Street Journal reporter and his employer and the White House deny the charges. This espionage charges are ridiculous. The targeting of American citizens by Russian government is unacceptable. Gershkovich remains in prison. If found guilty, he could get 20 years there. 
Of course, not all enemies of the Russian government get to go to prison. Evgeny Prigozhin led a band of mercenary fighters known as the Wagner Group. They worked on Russia's behalf in countries all over the world. But the war in Ukraine tested Prigozhin's loyalty. He railed against the Russian military establishment, then in late June, pulled his troops out of Ukraine, captured a regional military HQ and began heading for Moscow. President Putin faced down the mutiny. Few were surprised when weeks later Yevgeny Prigozhin was dead, his plane crashing mysteriously near Moscow. Fox News national security correspondent Jennifer Griffin. The message is very clear to Putin's opponents that Putin was likely behind the ending of the life of Yevgeny Prigozhin and it's a message not to challenge the Kremlin leader. A challenge to American leaders was the moment a US soldier on a trip to the border ran into North Korea. Private Travis King's fellow tourists were stunned. They thought, what is going on? I didn't think anyone who was sane would want to go to North Korea. And after a few months, North Korea decided it didn't want him either. Private King was returned to the United States. He now faces charges, including desertion. And speaking of King... Here in London, a king was crowned in a lavish ceremony at Westminster Abbey. Charles III called it a glorious occasion in front of 2,000 dignitaries and thousands of well-wishers outside. The things which I have here before promised, I will perform and keep. So help me God. A moment of history in a year that's hard to forget. Jonathan Savage, Fox News. 2023, do you remember this? I'm John Saucier. The stable release of ChatGPT by OpenAI on September 27th, showing off some of the capabilities of artificial intelligence. The AI program has a number of features, everything from a simple chatbot to the ability to compose music and even generate business ideas. More to come on 2023, a year of living history. Military Matters. I spent the last few days at the Brook Army Medical Center in San Antonio, Texas. That is where I recovered from the injuries that I sustained in Ukraine. But what many of the doctors here were talking about was whether they are fully prepared if there was a mass-scale event such as we've seen in Israel here in the U.S. Here's what Dr. Tim Nunes, the Chief of Trauma and Surgical Care at Brook Army Medical Center, told me. We have a lot of experience from our 20 years of war between Iraq and Afghanistan where we've been. We've learned a lot of the lessons of what is happening when you see the injured on the ground in Israel right now. So we've got that institutional memory. Dr. Evan Renz, the Deputy Commander of Quality and Safety, also spoke to me and talked about how they were shifting over to focusing on civilians rather than military matters. When there is no active combat operation, we transition to the civilian population and then what keeps our readiness up and then we deploy and go into theater and it's just a constant cycle. But as the world is watching Israel, some people are concerned that perhaps the level of readiness inside military medicine isn't where it used to be. For Military Matters, Benjamin Hall, Fox News. Saving you money, I'm Hillary Barsky. The old adage, cash is king, no longer seems to ring true as phones take on more of the work of wallets and people rethink how much they still need to carry in cash. Four in ten Americans say none of their purchases in a typical week are paid for using cash, according to a survey from the Pew Research Center. Still, those who do carry cash, on average, it's about 67 bucks as of 2021. And if you still like to carry cash, how much should you keep even for emergency? 
agencies. The Wall Street Journal spoke to financial advisors, executives, and security experts for advice on the best approach. One advisor recommends $30 just to cover small transactions, while many add that paying in cash might help curb overspending, since the emotional impact of spending with bills is greater than paying with a phone or credit card. And if you want to forego cash altogether, financial advisors say you should leave home with no more than two or three credit cards. Saving you money, Hillary Barsky, Fox News. Hey, have you ever heard of the name Frank Whetstone? Apparently, this small-town Montana guy was a big part of creating the Reagan Revolution in the 1980s. Hey, Aaron Flint here with Montana Talks. we got a very special Montana political history program coming up for you with Monday's Montana Talks. That's right, Monday, January 1st, 2024, New Year's Day. Very special program. Former State Senator John Brennan out of SCOBY and Summit Cigar Lounge proprietor Greg Franks for a special program Monday. Welcome back to 2023, a year of living history, a Fox News radio special. I'm Kristen Goodwin. Violence dominating the headlines in 2023. A traffic stop by Memphis police early in the year leads to the death of Tyree Nichols, a 29-year-old black man pulled over just minutes from his home. The brutal encounter captured on body cam video. In addition to state second-degree murder charges, the five former police officers involved were charged with federal civil rights, conspiracy, and obstruction violations. The country watched in horror. U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland, one of the former detectives later pleading guilty to federal charges and is expected to cooperate with state prosecutors. The four others have pleaded not guilty to charges. The new year also included a string of mass shootings. Six people in central California were fatally shot, including a teenage mother and her 10-month-old baby. Officials in Goshen announcing more than two dozen arrests as part of the crackdown on gangs, believing the attack stemmed from a rivalry. Less than a week later, 11 people were fatally shot and nine others wounded at a dance hall outside of Los Angeles. The 72-year-old gunman taking his own life. And days after a shooting at a pair of farms in Half Moon Bay, south of San Francisco, left seven people dead. Society becomes how we behave. We've allowed this to happen. California Governor Gavin Newsom sharing frustrations over the U.S.'s cycle of gun violence and defending the state's gun safety laws. 66-year-old Chun Li Zhao, a Chinese national and former employee of one of the farms, has pleaded not guilty to murder charges. In March, a 28-year-old shooter killed three nine-year-olds and three adults at the Covenant School in Nashville. Officials say the shooter, Audrey Hale, was a former student of the Christian school who bought the weapon used legally while under treatment for an emotional disorder. She was killed by police at the scene. In April, 25-year-old Connor Sturgeon, an employee of Old National Bank in Louisville, walked into his workplace armed with an AR-15-style rifle, killing five people and wounding eight others. The shooter's mother among those who called 911, telling the dispatcher she was told her son had a gun and was heading to the bank. Sturgeon, who live-streamed the attack, was shot and killed by police. Those killed included a close friend of Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir. 
Also in the spring, a man in Cleveland, Texas, shot and killed five of his neighbors, including a nine-year-old boy, after he was asked to stop firing his AR-style rifle because of the noise. The suspected gunman, 38-year-old Francisco Oropesa, fleeing, sparking a four-day manhunt. He was later captured and has pled not guilty to murder. In October, Maine State Police say Army Reservist Robert Card opened fire at a bar in a bowling alley in Lewiston, killing 18 people and wounding at least 13 others. Card, a firearms instructor in the area, leaving the scene, sparking a large-scale two-day manhunt. Like many people, I'm breathing a sigh of relief. His body was later found with a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Knowing that Robert Card is no longer a threat to anyone. Maine Governor Janet Mills. And in December, a gunman at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, killed three people before he was shot and killed by law enforcement. As the shootings continue, so does the debate over gun control, with no end to either in sight. Kristen Goodwin, Fox News. 2023. Do you remember this? I'm John Saucier. A vote in the Tennessee House of Representatives on April 6th on expulsion of three Democratic state reps for violation of the chamber's rules of decorum. This after the three led gun reform protests in both the state house floor and joined protesters in the gallery all three days after a transgender person killed three children and three adults at the Covenant School in Nashville. I'm Evan Brown. The year had its share of natural disasters, some of which made it hard to breathe, others that put families underwater, both literally and financially. And for some, the world burned. Winters in parts of the U.S. are plagued by cold and snow. But in March, wildfires in Canada sent their smoke across the upper part of the United States. Not just what Canada is, but particularly people live in the north. The sense of community and looking out for each other. Canada's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. By late June, that smoke crossed the Atlantic Ocean and plagued Europe. As the fires burned through Canada, the wind whipped up across the U.S. south. Tornadoes striking Alabama in Mississippi in March killed at least 26 people. All the roads are impassable right now. Uh, trees are down. Um, it, it's a real mess. Fred Miller is the mayor in Rolling Fork, Mississippi. In December, tornadoes in Tennessee killed at least six. And then the rain came, and it never left. Nearly 26 inches of rain flooded Fort Lauderdale one day, knocking fuel depots offline, causing a widespread fuel shortage lasting a week. Later in the year, more rain would strike Kentucky and Tennessee. Dozens of people forced to evacuate a mobile home park in Union City, Tennessee, after more than 11 inches of rain fell in less than 24 hours. Many had to be rescued by boat. That's Nicole Valdez of Fox Weather, who reported from Jackson, Tennessee. Flooding also caused mudslides in downtown Hickman, Kentucky. But while the eastern U.S. was drenched, its westernmost state, long lauded as a paradise, burned this summer. Wildfires torched Hawaii in August, especially on the island of Maui, where people couldn't escape. And with many making runs for it when they could find a break in the blaze. But thousands wound up in shelters, losing their homes and businesses, especially in the town of Lahaina. And then came the realization that so many relatives and neighbors were missing and perhaps unidentifiable. Almost 100 people lost their lives. 2023 had perhaps more than its share of tropical cyclones. We usually judge hurricane season by cyclone activity in the Atlantic. But the Pacific saw 18 hurricanes. Some came near Hawaii. But one called Hillary made it all the way to California. Coachella Valley is ill-prepared for any kind of flooding because we're in the desert, but they're really 
not prepared for this type of emergency. Hillary crossed the U.S. border after landing in Baja, forcing the National Hurricane Center to issue its first ever tropical storm warning for SoCal. It dropped a year's worth of rain in parts of the Mojave in just about a day. Florida, as usual, got its share of tropical impacts from Hurricane Idalia, which came ashore in the Big Bend where the storm surge was taller than 10 feet. People heeded evacuation orders still Idalia was a $2.5 billion disaster. Eben Brown, Fox News. Remembering those we lost in 2023. I'm Grinnell Scott. 2023 marked sad goodbyes to many of our favorite people. We remember them fondly. One can be described no other way. We lost Tina Turner this year, but her music lives on. Victorious and volatile. That was Bobby Knight. What did you like best about coaching? I said winning. Like him or not, he was one of the best to ever coach college basketball. She was more than just a first lady. All women feel that they can be a help to the man in their life. Rosalind Carter was a partner in policy to President Jimmy Carter. She died at 96, ending a nearly eight-decade love story. When you heard his name, you knew a new car wasn't far away. Barker left us at 99. He didn't go over a dollar. If you watch the game show, you get the reference. You may not have known him personally, but he was a friend. Can I interest you in a sarcastic comment? Matthew Perry was tragically taken from us. We remember the laughs he left behind. Sandra Day O'Connor was the first woman on the U.S. Supreme Court. It's wonderful to be the first to do something, but I didn't want to be the last. The path she paved to the high court, five other women have followed. Paul Rubens was famous for who he became on TV. A unique character, not without controversy, but remembered just the same. When he showed up, they chanted his name. Jerry Springer died this year. TV talk was never the same after he arrived. For more than three decades, hers was a familiar face in the United States Senate with a big wish. That some of the divisiveness could be left out. Diane Feinstein died this year, leaving a legacy and big shoes to fill on Capitol Hill. From committee head to parrot head. We, we lost Jimmy Buffett this year, but don't worry. He once said, if there's a heaven for me, I'm sure there's a beach attached. Agree or disagree with his policy, a more influential diplomat than Henry Kissinger, there never was. Are you for war or against war? He died late this year after a full century of life. Broadway fans remembered him as Tevye and Fiddler on the Roof. If I were a rich man. We lost Hein Topol in 2023. The Great White Way is just a bit dimmer. Actor Ryan O'Neill died this year. Don't leave me, Jenny. Admit it, you cried during Love Story. All in the family. Good Times, The Jeffersons, TV classics from the mind of Norman Lear. He left us at 101, remembering an era when we all said, There are some singers for whom a single word or phrase means instant recognition. Three come immediately to mind. Harry Belafonte was a singer, actor, and activist. His voice is silenced, but his legacy is long. You may have to think a minute to recognize Astrid Gilberto. But the song she sang is timeless. The girl from Ipanema goes home. That song will always be attached to her. And then there's Tony Bennett. I left my heart. Frank Sinatra called Bennett the best singer in the business. Every time Tony Bennett stepped on stage, 
He proved old Blue Eyes right. We bid you all farewell. Grinnell Scott, Fox News. Stay tuned. More to come on 2023, a year of living history, in just a moment. Fox News commentary. Rite Aid has been banned from using facial recognition technology for five years. I'm Tommy Laren. More next. New from the Fox News Podcast Network. I'm Emily Campagno, and this is the Fox True Crime Podcast. I had nothing to do with her disappearance. I sit down with the people who lived the nightmares. I was in shock. I was just devastated. The investigators who tirelessly worked on the case. And I really hope that they can catch this guy. Bringing you closer to the story than you ever thought possible. Listen and follow now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. These are the stories that keep you up at night. Theft, especially from drug and convenience stores, has been a growing problem around the country, and now one retailer will have one less tool to fight it, facial recognition technology. The FTC has banned Rite Aid from using the technology for five years after allegations the chain used it incorrectly to ID shoplifters, many of whom happen to be people of color as well as females. In federal court, the FTC alleged the drugstore chain utilized facial recognition technology that led to thousands of false matches. Rite Aid customers were also unaware the technology was being applied to them. Look, faulty technology isn't helpful to anyone, but can you blame retailers for trying to fight back against repeat shoplifters? The government has failed these businesses by allowing thugs and degenerates to target them over and over and over again with little to no repercussions. I'm Tommy Laren, and you can watch my show, Tommy Laren's Fearless at Outkick. 1944. I'm calling right now. You should too. I love this song. I love nachos. Loving everything? You might be buzzed. You know what I'd love? A ride when it's time to head out. If you see a buzz warning sign, call for a ride when it's time to go home. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey, if you've been taking some time off during the holidays and you need to catch up on your Montana. Brought to you from the Montana Hot Spring Spas and Saunas Live Well, Feel Better Studio. Welcome back to 2023, a year of living history, a Fox News radio special. The year in entertainment. I'm Michelle Polino. The year started off with a nightmare for one Marvel actor who, on New Year's Day, was trying to avoid a snowplow crashing into his nephew. But Jeremy Renner was subsequently dragged underneath and was run over by a 14,000-pound piston bully. The actor was airlifted to a nearby hospital in critical condition. He suffered blunt chest trauma and orthopedic injuries outside his home in Nevada. The actor broke over 30 bones and set his mind to recovery while the world watched. This ordinary man turned into a superhero as he worked his way towards healing. The 95th Annual Academy Awards saw everything, everywhere, all at once take home the Best Film Oscar. This year, for the first time since the 1960s, both the writers and the actors went on strike. Both labor disputes have caused the largest interruption to the American film and television industries since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020. They lasted from May to November, with both the Writers Guild of America and SAG-AFTRA taking on the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. And the big negotiation points were intellectual property rights, artistic integrity, the lack of residuals from streaming services, and new developments within artificial intelligence. Two women were at the entertainment forefront this year, one plastic, one very real. Wow, this is the real world. <laughs> What's going on? Barbie became a cultural phenomenon, reaching several box office milestones. The film passed one billion at the box office, with its director, Greta Gerwig, becoming the first solo female director to do so. The film also became 
became Warner Brothers' highest grossing global release, overtaking Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 at $1.34 billion. Taylor Swift also set some record-breaking milestones with her Eras Tour. The movie version became the top-grossing concert film of all time. During the first 10 months of 2023, Swift achieved a remarkable feat with 65 songs reaching Apple Music's Global Daily Top 100, surpassing all other artists in this category. In October, her album 1989, Taylor's version, beat her own Spotify record for most streams in a day. This year, country music was in the spotlight as Jason Aldean's Try That in a Small Town, Morgan Wallen's Last Night in Luke Combs' Fast Car made history on the Billboard Hot 100 chart, marking the first time that three country songs ranked in the top three positions. And a country singer-songwriter named Oliver Anthony went from an unknown to number one overnight when his song Rich Men, North of Richmond became a viral sensation. And the Beatles put out their last song together thanks to new technology now and then was built from an unfinished 1978 John Lennon demo and a 1995 attempt to complete it that had been abandoned due to technical issues resolved by new technology. Michelle Polino, Fox News. The Year in Sports. I'm Eric Messersmith. 2023 was a year of team breakthroughs and legendary individual performances in the world of sports. Three of the four champions in the major North American leagues winning a title for the first time in franchise history this year. That was the call on Fox Sports when the Rangers clinched the World Series title over the Diamondbacks. The franchise had never previously won the Fall Classic in history that dates back to 1961 as the Washington Senators. It was a long time coming for the Nuggets as well. It's over. At last, the long wait is over. After 47 years, the Denver Nuggets can finally call themselves NBA champions. Courtesy of ESPN, with Denver claiming the title over Miami in five games, the first championship for a franchise that joined the NBA from the ABA in 1976. It wasn't nearly as long until the first Stanley Cup title for the Golden Knights. The silver trophy to the Golden Knights. That call on TNT, Vegas winning the Stanley Cup in just its sixth season after debuting as an expansion franchise in 2017. The fourth and final major sports title of 2023 did not go to a newcomer, with the Chiefs getting a 38-35 win over the Eagles in Super Bowl 57, Kansas City's second title in the last four years. Meanwhile, in college football, Georgia won its second national championship in a row, and that might not have been the biggest news affecting the sport this year. Conference realignment has left one of the sports storied leagues, the Pac-12, on the verge of collapse. Washington and Oregon announced they were joining USC and UCLA in moving to the Big Ten this year, and Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah said they are all leaving for the Big 12, with Stanford and Cal going to the ACC. I'm Eric Messersmith, Fox News. And that concludes our look at 2023, a year of living history. Thank you so much for joining us for this Fox News Radio special as we look ahead to 2024, which will be an election year and an Olympic year. Our family wishes yours a very happy new year and the hope that whatever blessings you wish for come true. We look forward to being with you in the year to come as we continue to cover the stories and events that will continue to be living history. Once again, from all of us at Fox News Radio, happy.